0: friends haters lovers how y'all doing i feel like i'm starting every episode off with it's been rough <laughs> but um i just put i guess a little trigger warning now i'll be discussing death um and my most recent experience with it. My pupper Chulo, my pup, Alicia, has transitioned into her next phase. Who knows what that looks like. I say that she's running around helping souls get to heaven. That sounds fun, right? <laughs> um, my doggo was 15 years old. I've had her since I was nine. I'm 24. Yeah, (laughs) math. (sighs) I wasn't surprised, though. Um, Like I said, she's 15, and she looks like (laughs) she's 15. Um, But the other day, um, Monday, before I go to work, um, I could tell she's just not really getting up. Um, her eyes are open, but she's not really lifting up her head. And she's not really walking. So maybe I thought that she was just still tired, right? And so I go upstairs to get myself ready. Um, and then I hear my mom asking me to come downstairs because she told me Alicia's not walking. So I'm like, okay. You know, and, I, and like I said, I've been preparing myself because my baby's 15 and her breed usually only lives to 12. So she's a survivor point blank and the period fucking code <laughs> um and so I come downstairs and I wasn't even trying to get her to walk because if my baby wanted to walk she would have so I just came down the steps and there was a way that she just looked at me and I felt like any of my previous dog or pet owners um understand the looks of their 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 pet and my baby looked at me like she was real tired real tired. It's the first time I ever see her look at me like that. And she was like, hunching her back. You could tell her back legs were hurting. And so I just went and picked her up. And I gave her some love. And I was like, you know what? I'm always had your back. So I'm literally about to walk outside. <laughs> walk outside and some damn boxers and a sports bra. Because I have very little care. And I ain't never gave a fuck. But my mother makes me didn't realize that you can't just go outside in your underwear <laughs> um but they're boxers so I'm like they're like shorts but nonetheless um my brother took our outside and she started to walk a little bit used the bathroom but still just wasn't herself but she did jump back in the house so I'm like all right nothing's broken per se but she's just really 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 uncomfortable um and so I got her her little mat and um she likes to lay on my hoodies, so I put down some of my hoodies, just helped her get into her little ball shape, and then gave her a bunch of treats um because I think in that moment, I kinda knew that her nice time was coming to a close um but I was just hoping I wouldn't come to find her when I got off of work um and so then my mom tells me she's throwing up and she's not eating, and she's barely drinking water and then like a couple hours later she's like Alicia fell over she's collapsing she said she's that so I'm like fuck when I tell y'all I sped down 28 like it was a fucking NASCAR (laughs) oh man so I get home and she doesn't even get up to come greet me at the door she literally was just doing yesterday like she was she was all good the weekend before everything was fine but Monday hit and my baby said she she wanted she wanted she wanted a nap a very long nap (laughs) um and so I just picked her up long story short we took her to the vet and um the vet let us know that she was dying from old age and that the care that she needs would would can would be made up of inpatient care and um would total over six thousand dollars and I love my dog. But the one thing I'm not going to do is have her in and out of the vet every other day. That's not a life. And she was in pain. Both her kidneys were failing. Um, she had arthritis in both her hips. Little well, mama didn't run her race. <laughs> she didn't run her race. Um, so if we weren't willing to invest the money for her to have maybe another three months of life... Um, that wouldn't even really be life for her. I feel like it really would have been for us just to see her, just to have her around. Um, And I wasn't going to do that to my baby. So we made the decision to uh, put her down. (laughs) And uh, it was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Um, Because like I said, I've had my very first dog since I was nine years old and... Her and I have been through so much. <laughs> it supported me through so much. Um, So I held her. I was the first to hold her um, of the family whenever we got her when she was six weeks old. And um, I was the last one to hold her. And she made sure that she poked her head out enough outside of the blanket to rest on my arm. So she could really feel me as she uh, transitioned. And it was really fucking hard. <laughs> if anybody's ever had to put their dog down before, oh my goodness. Um. So um, after she had took her last couple of breaths, a um, nurse came in, or I'm not sure what you call vets that aren't the doctors. You know, like a vet nurse. I don't want to disrespect nobody. <laughs> but um, she came in to to get Alicia. And it was, whoo, it was so fucking hard to uh, hand my pup over, but I had to tell myself that her spirit is no longer in there and that this is simply her vessel and that wherever she is now, she, she's good and she's not in pain. And the reason why, like, of course, just to get it out to talk about the death of my doggo, um, but then also the fact that I, this may be my closest experience um, with death when I was younger, parents used to take me to a lot of funerals of people that I didn't even know. Um, and it felt really uncomfortable for me to be in these spaces with everybody grieving so much from the loss of this person that I never even knew. Um, and so after like the third or fourth time, and then one time I was asked to be a participant and in, in a part of the funeral, again, of a person that I did not know that I had never even met, um, I still was, you know, share my condolences and did the best I could could to comfort um the people around me. Like I didn't even know the people closest to the individual that I had passed. So it was just a really um uncomfortable predicament for me. And so after a while I had made the decision to tell my parents I was I was no longer attending funerals or awakes of individuals that I did not know. Um because it felt really uncomfortable. For me to be in a space and and not know the person, um, I still send my like I said send my condolences and uh, pray for the family and their grieving and their mourning. I feel like with this world we've been so desensitized to death, mass shootings, murders in our neighborhoods. It's it's been a, a lot. Um, and I never really paid attention to the friends that I've lost um, along this process of life as well. Um, the friends that I've had, you know, in, in kindergarten and elementary school and middle school um, die either from Domestic violence or car accidents or violence gang violence um it's desensitizing <laughs> um and it and it's so hard to kind of keep up, maybe I guess and it really leads me to talk about my next point about how so often. We've desensitized ourselves so much to death that we really just continue it like nothing even happened. But then there's people out there just suffering and and groveling and trying their best to keep themselves together because they're losing somebody that was in their life every day. And now they're just gone. Like even the next day, after I literally just held Alicia, the next day I tried to get up and put food in her bowl. Like. Somebody that's a part of your everyday habits and now they're just gone. Sometimes I feel like we're just so desensitized to death that it's that like we're used to that type of trauma in our DNA. Um, and if you really want to learn more about what I'm talking about, head over to my website Um, and is it in i think it's inside perspective i don't just know the it's inside org um mm-hmm. where i talk about trauma and dna and transgenerational trauma mm-hmm. and how this trauma can be passed down to us and so the our desensit i don't even know if this is a word but i'm gonna try to get it out but the desensitization desensitization desensitized desensitization i think y'all get what i'm what i'm trying to say <laughs> um we're so used to people being killed murdered whether it's from police whether it's from violence gang violence domestic violence like there's this this okayness with violence um and death that we've crafted in our communities that really just hurts Um, And I never really tried to dive too much into it, um, at least like (laughs) the death part. Um, Most because I'm grateful for enough that nobody extremely close to me or in my close circle or somebody that I operate with on a day-to-day basis has been taken from me. Um, And when I say taken from me, I just also want us to keep in mind that not anything is ever ours. It's all just borrowed matter. And at one point, our creator calls it back. My brain is like running a mile a minute um, because I'm also grieving, but then also trying to explain how uh, death impacts us in in more ways than just being in our DNA, but just in our sense of self, in our sense of wholeness, our personhood, our humanness. Um, there's a term called nihilism coined by Cornell West. And nihilism is spelled N-I-H-L-I-S-M. And it talks about the lived experience of a black person feeling uh, lovelessness as if their life isn't important. Why try your hardest to build and to grow and to build up whatever you want out of your life if your life can just be taken in a split second by someone that doesn't like the color of your skin. Or doesn't like your sexual orientation or how you present yourself. Like, we just got so used to that type of death happening. Like, I used to call myself a triple threat in college, just waiting to be eliminated. And I'm a black woman loving woman. (laughs) But then I turned to a community that helped me realize that my life is important and that my life is worthy to be lived. Death is hard to balance with life. And anybody who has lost somebody or is still grieving the loss of someone, you have my sincerest condolences and my love. And if there's any if there's ever anything I can do to support you in your process, even if it's just me listening, I'm a great listener, <laughs> so please feel free to reach out to me. Death is so final. there is no way to prepare for it, even though I talked about with my doggo that you know I knew it was coming, but nothing can truly prepare you. To not have that that person, that pet in your life anymore, um, and then just uh, let me sit my ass up sometimes I feel like this world wants us to get used to death, like normalized death, and I know that death is a part of life, but there's also speeding up the process. Taking power or control over that process. And this world has become so content with others taking control over the process of somebody's life and giving death. Policymakers, the government, all that, like, clearly they're cool with this shit. And if we look at history, there's some of them that's been doing this since the beginning of fucking time. And just like how I said trauma is passed down through our DNA, I still feel like hate, which is also trauma, can be passed down through DNA as well. There ain't no way you telling me that I still have the trauma of the lived experience of my great-grandmother running through my bones, running through my DNA. And somebody's KKK-ass grandma and grandfather, that shit ain't in your bones neither. And I'm not saying this to say that you're a racist person or a racist being, but a lot of the biases that we have in our bodies and in our minds, they come out in different ways. You may not think somebody should be lynched, for being black, but you may not believe somebody who is a black person. I said that they didn't steal. Said that they didn't cheat, or you just may not believe them the same way you will believe somebody else. This lack of believing in humanness, the human body, the soul, the vessel. You can't believe that every being that breathes and walks has that. And it's very easy for you to take that away. That's some soul searching that needs to be done. It just leaves me, now I'm thinking about hunting. (laughs) People who go hunting, like, people that hunt for sport. It's just like, ugh. Ugh. It's just a common theme, just just unpacking death in my mind. Um, I think I may open up my Discord when it comes to this conversation, especially when it comes to having a, a support system, a community, to help get us through these really tough times and experiencing death the way and the rates in which we do. Um... I love y'all. <laughs> y'all 30 people that tap in every time I drop an episode. <laughs> I I appreciate y'all. I thank y'all. I, I love when y'all DM me and talk about these things with me. But I think maybe opening up my, my Discord and finally launching it. And finally learning how to use it. <laughs> um, may be truly beneficial for all of us um, as we live this life. And sometimes we just need a little bit more compassion and just to be gentle and soft So often I feel like we're told to get over things or to get past it, and that's just not realistic. Our body holds on to every emotion we ever felt. And yes, we want to hold on to our happiness and hold on to our joy and our love. But there's certain things with death that comes with death that we can't always hold on to. And uh, that anger is one of them. So... I appreciate y'all, and whenever I do drop this this discord, if there's any um, advice or ways of support or means of support that kind of helps you through your grieving process that you think can help somebody else when it comes to losing a person or a pet, or even maybe a memento that means the world to you. Um, We can help each other out, so this episode is dedicated to the best pup in the world, Alicia Simone Coleman. Yes, her initials are the same as mine. (laughs) To the best pup ever. I hope you're having fun waving.